November 21st, 2023. This morning's class is donated by A.B. Cohen in memory of his grandmother, Annette Cohen, Alea Shalom, Hayab Bat Le'ah. We're in Maseche Bava Kamandaf, He Amud Aleph, at the very top of the Amud. If you recall, we're dealing with the different listings and different countings of Avot uh, Nezikin. Our Mishnah listed four primary categories of damages. Then we had a listing of 13 from Rabbi Osha'aya and his Beraita. And then Rabbi Hiya, second on Dafdale Damud Bet, quoted 24 Avot. And then the Gemara was testing out and questioning why each of the opinions might not maintain like the other. And what the Gemara is in the midst of doing here at the top of Dafhea Mudalif is questioning the, sec- the, the second, well, the first of the Beraitot, the 13 count. Why didn't it maintain like all the counts of the 24? And the initial answer was that it was counting in 13 Rabbi Osha'aya just what's called Mamon as opposed to what's referred to as Kenas, just financial compensation circumstances as opposed to penalty situations. And in turn, the Gemara questioned, well, if that's the case, uh, there's still several that should have been counted. I understand the double, the kefil, maybe the adba'ah, the hamisha, the four and five times, etc. But what about something like edim zomimim? What about a circumstance, a situation where there's false conspiring witnesses who are caught with the words, imanu hiyitem, you were with us on the day that you're testifying about. Isn't that, as the Gemara, de mamonahu litne? That's a circumstance, a situation known as mamona. It's compensation. You're paying for what you did wrong, and in turn, it's not a penalty. Should have been listed by the counting of 13 of Rabbi Oshaya. Answers the Gemara Savar la Kirbi Akiva de Amar en Mishalemin al Piatzman. This opinion. Rabbi Oshayaz Beraita must have been going with the opinion of, or may have been authored by Rabbi Akiva. What's Rabbi Akiva's opinion? That when it comes to Edim Zomimin, that punishment of you do to them, the witnesses, the false conspiring witnesses, that which they conspire to do to the other person, according to Rabbi Akiva, that's considered a payment of penalty, of kenas, to the extent that the principle with regards to penalties in Judaism and Torah is if a person admits to the wrongdoing before being caught in court, uh, they're exempt from uh, any payment. And as a result, that's the words, in Mishalmin al Piatzman, they don't pay based on their own mouth. The Gemara Daf Samechdalit, as we mentioned, this Doresh, it derives us from Pasuk of Asher Yarshi'un Elohim. The Pasuk says, you're found to be, the witnesses or otherwise, the individual is found to be a Rasha, wicked, guilty in judgment based on Elohim, based on the court. And not that he admitted it himself. But the bottom line over here is, we're working with Rabbi Akiva, that Edim Zomimin is not considered Mamon, compensation, financial restitution, but rather kenas, penalty. Uh, Judah raised the question at the end of class yesterday, how does the other opinion maintain that Edim Zomimin is mamon? After all, the, the logic for the Akiva, as is explained in Masechet Makot, is, well, after all, these witnesses only conspired to do. They didn't actually pull it off. The words are shahare lo asu ma'aseh. They didn't actually do anything. You're going to tell me that they're paying compensa- compensating for what? What did they do? They tried to. I tried to make you pay $100,000. I didn't end up pulling it off, and I'm paying $100,000 as a result. You're going to call that 
financial compensation? No, of course that's a penalty. That's the claim of Rabbi Akiva. How does the other opinion maintain its opinion? So what he pointed me to is the words of Rashba. Rashba in his commentary to the Gemara over here, I knew this approach, but not in this context, from the commentary of Ramban Nachmani, that's the rabbi of Rashba for all intents and purposes in Masechim Makot and Daf Gimau, that the understanding is that although the punishment of Ka'asher Zamam, you do as you conspire to do, is only going to be fulfilled without actually pulling it off. In other words, I conspired to get you, I planned to get you to pay $100,000. I didn't pull it off and as a result I pay you. Even if I do pull it off, even if you do end up paying the $100,000, in that circumstance as well, I'm not paying you now for damages for kashir zamam. I'm not being punished for as he conspired to do. I'm paying for, well, you lost that money and I caused you to lose that money. That's called mamon, right? In other words, the, the reference of the hachamim is that by its nature, its, its, uh, its essence of edim uh, zomimim has included in it a certain compensation uh, dimension as well. It's not only penalty, because if they did pull it off, even though we don't punish them based on the heading, the words in the Torah, yeah, due to them, what's that? They're not, they're not being, they're not paying, so to speak, as an Eid Zomim, but they are an Eid Zomim. Right? They're an Eid Zomim, yeah. but they're paying, what's that? The same you're going to end up, I mean, of course, because you're going to end up... Right, right. We're just gonna, we're just not going to call it a penalty any longer. We're going to call it financial. Well, it does. In other words, what? Listen. If I made you lose a hundred thousand, I pay a hundred thousand. So the hidush is the novelty, the the new idea of the Torah is even if I didn't pull it off, kashir zamam, I pay. That's penalty. But the other part, what's that? Same way. They got caught in the same way, but the money was already paid. That's right. So it's a, that, that is a, a, a direction of this approach. He quoted it to me, I took a look at it afterwards as, as well. They quote from Rabbi Yerucham Fischl Perla, something along the lines of what Jared said, uh, that even though you didn't pull it off, it's considered like a ma'asi. Okay, there's, there's, there's lots of conversations to be had. I just want to take one more moment on these words, uh, just to explain the circumstance. We read it in the class, because I thought that's what Judah was referring to, the words of Rashi. How would you, as an Eid Zomem, admit to doing wrong um, if you were never caught. In other words, the idea of it being, uh, Rabbi Akiva says, if I admit to it, I don't pay. What do you mean you admit to it? Like you walked into a court and you said, I was an Eid Zomim. You're not an Eid Zomim unless you're caught. So you admitted to false testimony. That's not, a, that's, that's not admitting to the penalty over here. Was, what's the case? What's the situation where a false conspiring witness can admit and as a result exempt themselves? Rashi suggested, and he writes the same thing in Masech Makot, that it's the following situation. I quickly spoke this out with you yesterday. I'm caught in the Betin of East Second and Avenue U. Uh, they're in the court, and I've testified against uh, Alan that he owes a lot of money, and then uh, Eddie and A.B. come, and they say, couldn't be, you were with us on that day. And then they're deliberating, the rabbis of the court and the individuals who are in charge, and they're thinking about it, and I sneak out the back door. Or at night, they take a pause in the case, and, I, and, and we, we uh, adjure for the, the time being, and I go home, and in the morning, before coming back to the court on East 2nd Avenue, I run to the court on, I don't know, uh, Borough Park, uh, 18th Avenue. And I run in there, and I say, you should know something. In the court over there, there were two witnesses who came. They found me to be a false conspiring witness. They say, okay, did the Betin uh, lower the gavel? Was there a Gmar Din? Was there a final verdict? No, no, there wasn't. Okay, then your admission is okay. That's what Rashi says. It's lohispiku ligmore tadin. The court case went on. I was found to be on the lines of guilt, 
but I wasn't actually declared. The word Gemardin, we know from Masechet Sanhedrin already, verdict was not reached. Those are the words of Rashi. It happens to be the first Kesota Hoshin that I learned in my life by myself. I think in 12th grade in Siman Shinun, he deals with this. He has the, the Aharoni. Many of the later authorities have difficulty with Rashi's interpretation because it's hard to understand if I'm found to be guilty. They just didn't make a verdict. They just didn't put the gavel down. That's guilty. Huh? So they didn't put the gavel. All right, I got it. But then you admit it? Come on. That's really an admission? I went into the other court in Borough Park. I'm guilty on East 2nd and Avenue U. I am. They just didn't finish. They didn't uh, finalize it. The suggestion of Kesota Hoshen is, it's a major commentary on Hoshen Mishpat Shohan He says this is all dependent upon, it's the pasuk I mentioned earlier, Asher Yashi'un Elohim. The Bet Din, the court, the rabbinical court that you're in is in charge of, Kenas, is in charge of penalties. And as a result, it's a very interesting thing that you have to take into account and envision it this way. Different courts have different statuses with regards to Kenas penalty. I can be guilty in this court, but I'm exempt in that court. But I was found guilty over here, but they didn't reach a verdict. You can exempt yourself in the other one. It's a localized type of dean and judgment situation. There's lots of conversation about this nitivota mishpat and onward. I'm just being uh, uh, opening the eyes of the ma'ayinim. So uh, that's the interesting thing. So ask Jeffrey, as a result, I ran to Bar Park and I admitted, what's the final verdict now on Avi Harari? Ironically suggests the following, each in their own way. I'm exempt if anyone tries to prosecute me in Borough Park. If they bring me back, if you get me into the court and have you any second, I'll have to pay. But I admitted, Modebiknas Patur. You're not really exempt. You're just exempt in that court. You're just Patur from play. I can't, I'm already caught. You'll say that in any case. You'll say, I stole, you found me guilty. Right before the verdict, I was pulling down the gavel. I said, oh, wait a second, I stole. Uh, oh, come on, you were found guilty, which is really the question in general. Anyway, yeah, Jeffrey, that's, that is the, the irony and the difficulty of the whole understanding of this matter. Okay, uh, uh, opening the it's eyes shady. of the Ma'ayanim on this matter. It's shady, it's, it's shady. hard to understand, but ultimately speaking, there's a lot of interesting underlying fundamentals about what penalties in Judaism are, how there have been a court words, etc., just from analyzing the technicalities of this matter. So again, the suggestion, as I'm telling Jeffrey, is it's not undermining per se. It's that in that district, I can't be guilty. I'm still up on the line over here, which we, we didn't see those words in the Gemara. That's the novelty. Okay, anyway, says the Gemara, three lines from the top now, says the Gemara, if you're telling me that we're according ourselves in this Beraita of Rabbi Oshaya, the count of 13, with Rabbi Akiva's opinion. That's why you didn't list Edim Zomimim. Well, you need to be consistent. The example I gave you yesterday, I opened the book, I said, on Shabbat, it's a sort to do ABC. Oh, where'd you get that, Rabbi? I got it from this book. Then how come you didn't tell us the leniencies in that book? Why didn't you tell us the DEF from that book? Why? You only told us the first of it. If you're telling us the class on that book, you got to tell us the full class. So if this listing is going according to the opinion of Rabbi Akiva, that's why you left out Edim Zomimin, you should have included another one. What's the other one you should have included? You should have included a short an animal which has not yet done three gorings to a human being, but does it, and but gores a human being. What's the liability in such a situation? Contrary to a shortam, that same type of animal in the first three times, which damages an animal, according to the Biakiva, even first time against a human being, 
liable full amount. Oh, that should have been listed in our account of, of, thir- of 13. It should have gone up to 14. That's an important point. If the idea is these are all cases where you're liable immediately full amount, you should have counted as well. Shortam, again, first three times, not forewarned animal. Shehizik, which damaged Adam. How do we know that's Rabbi Akiva's opinion? From a Mishnah later on, on Daf Lamid Gimal Ditnan. Excuse me, it says the Gemara, Isavar Lekir Akiva Litne. We should have taught Tere Gavne two types of Shor. Litne Shor de Azik Shor, Litne Shor de Azik Adam. Ditnan, after all, the Mishnah on Daf Lamid Gimal teaches us Rabbi Akiva Omer, Aftam Shehaval Badam, Mishalem Bamotar, Nezek Shalem. If you recall, I explained to you the case. Briefly, yesterday, the situation is a short time, and the first three times damages a person. The person slashes the animal, and the differential between the damage to the human being and the animal is what the animal owner needs to pay to the human being. Let's imagine it's $80 cost to the human being, $40 cost, I don't know, it's easier, $100 and $50, $50 cost to the animal. The owner of the animal needs to pay $50. But wait a second, it's the first three times, it's only half. I should be, we should call this even. No, when it comes to short time, According to Rabbi Akiva, you pay full amount. So let's give then. It should have been in our listing. The reason it's not in the listing is because Rabbi Akiva loosened his grip in his fist on this matter, meaning he's not fully strong in terms of the financial liabilities of a short time of that animal in the first three times, which damaged a person. Well, what do you mean? Well, as we explained yesterday, the major difference, which we'll have to start getting used to between Shor Mu'ad and Shor Adam is twofold. Number one, are you paying full amount or are you paying half amount? Again, the forewarned animal after three times or in the first times full or half. But secondly, how do you pay? Do you pay, well, that's the amount I owe and I have to pay it from the top quality of my land, that's Shor Mu'ad. Or alternatively, I won't and I'm not liable to pay a penny more than my animal is worth. That's the opinion of Shortam. That's the way Shortam works. That's the Shita. We'll have to figure out why. We'll, we'll have to figure it out. We'll have to figure it out. Keep in mind, keep in mind already what you're starting to realize is the first three times is considered something along the lines of Kenas, a penalty. And we have leniencies on penalties. So as a result, number one, you're only paying half. You might say, why should I end that? I have to watch it. No, maybe you didn't need to watch it so well the first three times. Number two, you're not liable to pay more than the value of the animal. Again, it, there's a little bit of logic to it already. Words, if you, the Torah is not expecting me to be fully cognizant and fully on top of it, so then you're gonna make me pay more than I paid for this animal? I was a little negligent, but I wasn't fully negligent. I didn't know I needed to watch it that much. But anyway, the point, the point over here is that even in this short time, the animal in its first three times damages a person, according to Rabbi Akiva, where you're paying full amount, but you're not paying the full amount more than the value of the animal. The way we call that is, it's migufo mishalem. It's paying from, if it damages Adam. If it damages uh, a shore, for sure you're paying migufo, but you're paying half. Right, but the point is, according to Rabbi Akiva, even though you're paying full amount, nezek shalem, when it damages Adam, 
it's only paying me gufo. It's not paying more than its value. It's only paying based on its value, literally, its body. So it's quasi knas, right? It says the Gemara, it's, it's partial knas. After all, we have a better time, which Biakiva makes that clear. Is it possible, according to Biakiva, where a short time is mazik, it damages a human being, it pays min ha'aliyah from the highest level land? Talmud lomar yeh Law. The Pasuk says you do to it. And that word, yeah, law, the word law, to it or from it uh, to a certain extent. We learn from that migufo mishalim, it pays based on its body. In other words, not more than that value. Ve'eno mishalim in ha'aliyah, it won't pay from the high quality land, meaning an external source more than its value. For that reason, the Gemara is suggesting we don't list shor shihizik adam according to the Akiva. But why not? Okay, so you're paying full amount, but you're paying from the body. Therefore, it doesn't merit being on the list. Therefore, it doesn't make sense to be counted as one of the avot. Again, an animal which damages a human being on one of its first three times, you're paying full amount. Okay, the animal's worth less, so you're paying less. Therefore, it shouldn't be counted. So Rashi suggests the reasoning over here goes as follows. You're not, as a result, always going to be paying the full amount. For example, if the animal is worth $100 and it makes a damage of $200, you won't be paying the full amount. As a result, says Sarashi, according to the Gemara, it doesn't make sense that it should be on our list of avot nizikin, which are always paying the full amount. That's Rashi over here. What's that? Then you go, if, if the damage... Of course, no, no, you're going to pay twice. You're not going to pay more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You max out. You're not, we're not, that's, that's above and beyond. That's this, these words of Rashi. It, it emerges. Sometimes you won't be paying full amount. Rather, the amount of the value of the animal. Tosafot in the top left hand corner disagrees with this approach of Rashi. Animals value more, he pays. He certain, you know, he pays exactly what he damaged. But the, yeah, I mean, you're not going to pay more. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. Even though he's worth more. So what? You didn't damage more. We're not going to penalize. Because of the difference that one could be a wad and one could be a common, it'd be half damages that won't be the same amount. That's why he left it out. Correct. Sometimes you'll find, mm, I'm not sure that you said it right. Sometimes it'll be a case where, even though you're treating it as a shor mu'ad, it won't pay the full amount for that, is that what you meant? Then you won't count it. Tosafot alternatively just suggests, if you look at the final four lines of this top Tosafot, v'yesh lomar, a few words before the end of the fourth line, the fourth to last line, dekevan de'en meshalem ila migufo, i'efshar lemitne gabe avot. De'amrinam nekaman kulam ha'ke'avot hen leshalem mimetav. Says Tosafot, the definition, the Gemara will tell us at the bottom of the Amud, of an av, is, well, A, it's written in the Torah, but B, you pay from highest value land. That is the definition of an av. And so as a result, suggests Tosafot, although you're paying full amount, although many situations, the fact that you're paying migufo, you're paying not more than the value of the animal, it disqualifies it from being called an av. In other words, if you look up in the dictionary, what is an av, says Tosafot, based on the Gemara later on, it's twofold. Number one, it's in the Torah, and number two, it's paying mimetav ha'aret, it's paying from the highest mimetav sadeh, or the highest value of the land, and since this isn't so, it doesn't merit being qualified as an av. 
We'll have to figure that out. It's possible, it's possible that the Hemshech of the Gemara over there is only saying that according to the Oshayan and Bihiyaz counts and not according to our Mishnah. Okay, so last or, or, excuse me, only according to the Bihiyaz. Right. Because it might be that, that, in other words, Rashi, how could Rashi disagree with that? Right. Because our Mishnah is listing four. And it says on these four, they all pay for our highest level. Who said that's definitional? Doesn't mean it's definitional. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. Because the Gemara's line that Tosafot is quoting is only according to the Bihya, only according to the number 24. Again, Tosafot is extending it, but at this point. Yes. The Gemara questions the following. The Gemara says, Rabbi Oshayan, Rabbi Hiya, 13 and 24. We got the Avot. This is what's coming up at the bottom of the Amu. We got the Avot. What are the Toledot? So Gemara says, you got me. Well, what do you mean I got you? Then why are you calling it Avot? Oh, to tell you that you're paying from Metav. That's the definition of an Av. What's that? No, not me gufo. Zomin have to pay whatever the amount is. not the value of the person, right? All right, that's what we have then in the Gemara. So the Gemara continues. We've got to finish this uh, questioning and details with regards to these listening. Question mark. Questions the Gemara on the following three cases. It's really two, as we'll point out in a second. Ha'ones, a person who lo'aleinu rapes a woman. Ha'mefateh, a person who seduces a woman. Also lo'aleinu. Ha'motzi shemra, as a situation where the man claims the woman who was supposed to be a virgin after our engagement, I had relations with her and he is that she's not a virgin. It's Motsi Shemra because he was lying, they determined. In each of those circumstances, there is a penalty. Number one, the rape and the seduction pay in addition, listen carefully, in addition to the damage which the woman incurred, uh, whatever it is, we call that pegam, she, he pays damage, he also has a penalty, the Torah says. 50 kese, 50 silver pieces. Um, in Mosi Shemra, there's only a penalty. There's no damage. He didn't actually physically touch her in that way to hurt her in some respect. You'd rather pay 100 silver, mea kesef. So really the Gemara's question, as Tosafot points out, is on those first two. Ones and mefateh, the seduction and the rape case, you're not only paying penalty, you're also paying nezek. Is the they're the same in terms, well, the damage of rape will be higher probably than seduction. Rape will have, again, they'll have number one, nezik, physical damage. Number two, tsa'a, there's an assumption that you cause pain to her. And number three, kenas, 50 silver. In the case of mifateh, you're going to have nezik, whatever physical damage, if she was a virgin, now she's not a virgin. Number two, what's called boshet, it's now an embarrassment, people know about it, and you'll have to evaluate that. Number three, kenas. So they're similar, they're not per se gonna be the same amount, ultimately speaking. I'm just pointing out as Tosafot does, motzi shemra doesn't have any nezik. So the Gemara's question is really just on those first two, we just threw in the whole cluster. Why are ones and mifateh, rape and seduction, not listed in the count of 13? So you say to me, because it's a penalty, but in addition to penalty, there's also nezik, you're also paying the value of whatever it is you did to damage her. Answers the Gemara again, mamonahu. Uh, there is mamon, there is comp- compensation uh, um, payments over here, litne, they should have been listed. Says the Gemara, I, I don't really understand your question. Manafshach, manafshach, easy way, easiest way to translate is that. Either way you slice it, either way you look at this matter, I don't understand your question. Inezik 
if you're telling me that we're talking about the damages which the woman incurred through the, the forceful or, or wrongful penetration, tanale. Uh, so we, we already listed. Part of our listing was nezik. If a human being damages a human being, itzaan, maybe you're going to say it's the pain which is inflicted upon the woman in the case of rape. Tanale. We also listed that in our listing. Iboshet, um, uh, if it's uh, for the embarrassment. Tanale, we taught that as well. Ipigam, if it's what we call pigam, that damage through forceful relations, hainu nezik, that's exactly what we called and qualified as nezik, damage of one human being to another. Ma'itlach lememar, what are you left with in these two cases? What's unique about these two cases? Kenaza, the 50 silver pieces that the man has to pay. That's why Rabbi Hiya counted it, but Rabbi Oshaya doesn't. The count of 24 counted even penalties. The count of 13 never counted penalties. In a, yes, in other words, the definition of it being a kenas, says Jared, based on the Gemara and Daftetvav, is that it's a set amount, not based on circumstance, just based on penalty. We're not dealing with kenasot, with penalties um, in the count of 13. That is what distinguishes Rabbi Oshaya, the first count of 13, from the second count of 24 of Rabbi Hiya. Okay, concludes the Gemara. Last question we have is what about those final three? A person who contaminates the tiruma of a kohen, a midamea, a person who takes what you have set aside as presents to the kohen, and hulin, something that's, uh, that already had that separate, and you mix them, or you mix something that's kodesh together with their hull, and as a result, you diminish the value of their item. They can only sell it to a kohen now. And minasech, we talked about a situation where you invalidate, you make, you make prohibited their wine, through uh, what's called uh, what's called uh, kiskus uh, or sikhsuch rather, you, where by uh, by shaking it, uh, the the wine and, and having intent to uh, worship it uh, or use it for avodah zarah. In all those cases, demamonahu, effectively what you're doing is you're diminishing the value of their property. That's not a penalty. We're determining how much did you diminish the value of their property. Uh, earlier, these fruits, they could have sold for $100 a, bar- a, a carton. Now they can only sell it for $50. Only kohanim are interested and can buy it. Litne, how come they're not taught, and etc. Manafshach says the Gemara, I'll tell you why it's not listed, because what we're dealing with in these three cases Cases is something called hezek she'enonikar. Hezek milashon nezek. Hezek means damage. Nezek means damage, right? Enonikar. Nikar means it's not it's not recognizable in a physical sense. In all three of these cases, there's something, so to speak, metaphysical taking place. You didn't physically damage the item. You mixed it with other things and you diminished its value. You didn't physically change this wine. You just shook it a little bit, and as a result, it got invalidated. You didn't uh, physically change the teruma. You just touched something tamet to it. That's called hezek. That's a very interesting thing. You'll have to apply it in contemporary society and, and day and age. What's a hezek she'enonikar? We have lots of cases in the business atmosphere. But again, ultimately speaking, that's what's called hezek she'enonikar. It's damage, which is not recognizable in the physical sense. What's the status of hezek she'enonikar? Are you liable to pay for it uh, from a compensation standpoint? It's financial, it's mamon. Or is it considered kenas? Is it a penalty? Is the only time the Torah says this is your responsibility from a financial liability standpoint when it's nikah, when it's recognizable, I did something to it physically? 
or alternatively, and otherwise it's considered kenas, otherwise it's considered uh, a penalty, or alternatively, uh, is it always considered nezik? What's the difference between those two? Well, our listing. If we assume hezek she'enonikar, that when it's not recognizable, it's considered a kenas, it's considered a penalty, I understand why the count of 13 didn't include those. That's a penalty, and he was counting only compens- compensation circumstances. If alternatively it's considered a nezik, it's considered money, mamona, so then how come he didn't count it? That's what the Gemara does right now. If the reason is, if, if we consider unrecognizable nezik uh, to be nezik, to be considered a financial obligation, we did count on our listing of 13 nezik when a human being damages the property of another person. So this would be subsumed under that. We didn't need to count it separately. If it's not considered um, actual damage, it would be considered, of course, a penalty. It would be knasa, and the count of 13 was not dealing with penalties. That's the answer. We have one final line on this to question that last opinion. So again, let's just quickly review what we have. We have a count of four in our first Mishnah, very exclusive Avod Nezikin. We have a count of 13, common denominator is, they're not Kenas, they're not penalty. And then we have a count of 24, even penalties. In the count of 13, we talked about Nezik, damage, a human being to another person, which wasn't explicit in our Mishnah. In the count of 24, we have even penalty situations. Now, the count of 24, if you recall, counts not only Nezik damaging the property of another person, a person doing so, it also counts these last three, what we call unrecognizable damages. What would you argue then, the count of 24, we call him Rbihiya, what's his opinion with regards to qualifying or quantifying, defining what Hezek She'enonikar, unrecognizable damages, are really? Are you going, you're going to argue it's not Nezek, because he counts Nezek already as part of his number. The fact that he on top of it has these three clearly means he's assuming that it's Kenas, it's a penalty. Says the Gemara, Lema Kasavar, shall we suggest, and again, there's major ramifications on this. You say, who cares? I count this as money, I count it as penalty. Remember, if it's penalty, if I run into court and I admit to doing it, I exempt myself. It's a major difference on this matter. Secondly, it's not as relevant, but you should know this, that we learned this in Masechet Sanhedrin, outside of Israel for a long period of time, they weren't dealing with kenasot. You couldn't bring someone to court for that. You needed to be what's called a mumche or a musmach. You needed to be a person who had this chain of tradition and expertise in terms of dealing with kenasot. In Bavel, they generally speaking weren't. Later on, they found a way of dealing with it, but you couldn't really deal with with this under all circumstances. So Kenas was a lot lighter in terms of severity. Shall we suggest that the count of 24 maintains that the unrecognizable damage is not considered damage, it's considered a penalty. Because if it is considered damage, didn't he already count? Damages the property. And says the Gemara, no, you can't, you can't sufficiently prove that because it's possible that the Beraita of the 24 says, I'd like to count, unlike the count of 13, I'd like to count number one, 
the hezek, which is physically recognizable, and as well, just so you don't get confused, I know I count it as nezek as well, let me throw it on these last three, mitameh, mitameah, and menasech, even though they're also considered nezek, I just want to be fully clear, these are all included in my avot nezikin. All right, that's what finishes our conversation with regards to 13 and 24. We just now will question the following. I understand the count, which is mentioned at the beginning in our Mishnah. You said there are four avot nezikin. Why do you need to tell me four? If I start a list and I say, I want to tell you four primary categories. I'm telling you four as opposed to five. I'm telling you four as opposed to six. I'm telling you four as opposed to three. Why would our Mishnah say there are four to tell you it's four and not 13 and not 24? Well, that's very clear. And the 13 as well. I said the reason he said 13 is to tell you 13. Don't add in those extra 11. It's 13 and not 24. The question will be, why did you count 24? You started the list, Rabbi Hiyah. There are 24 Avot Nezikin. Could you come up with any more? Each one of these opinions will say it's four, but don't count any of those other 20. 13, it's 13, don't count any of those other 11. It's 24. Why didn't you tell me that number? You exhausted the list of every case you could find in the Torah where I'm liable to pay for damaging the property of another, damaging another person. So then why do you need to tell me the number 24? Just say, here are the Avot Nezikin, every case I could find in the Torah and list them. The fact that you mentioned the number 24 makes it seem as if you're coming to be exclusive. There's a case you could find, oh, that doesn't count. Now, that's what the Gemara's question will be. Well, what is that? Bishlama, it's understood, litana didan, according to the author of our Mishnah. Tana, it taught minyana, milashon minyan, the count. It told you there are four, lemaotedirbi oshaya. It told you there are four, don't count the next nine, the next 20. Virbi oshaya, and the count of 13. Tana, minyana, lemaoted, comes to exclude dirbihya, the next 11. Why is it that Bihya found it necessary to say there are 24 and only 24 Avot Nezikin? Uh, could I have thought of any others? What other one could you come up with? I looked in the Torah, I found 24 cases. It's as if you're telling me there's some significance to that. Answers the Gemara, Moser Let me define those words and we'll return to this tomorrow. Moser, some people say it in the Amidah, some people say, What's a Moser? A Moser is a person who tattles to the government or to the courts on another Jew, whether truthfully or falsely, that they're liable for payment or or punishment in some respect. They're not in Ed Zomim. They're telling the truth. They go and they tattle. They're not even testifying. Yeah, Rabbi Oshaya, I say he did 13 instead of 24. It's only on Rabbi Hiyah. So Moser is, again, is a person who, who tells on another to the authorities. And Mifagil, as Rashi explains, is a circumstance where the Kohen, who's involved with your sacrifice, you brought an animal to him, he has the wrong thoughts as he's uh, slaughtering the sacrifice. You brought it Lashem Hatat, and he's doing it Lashem Shilamim. You brought it as an animal for a sin, and he's sacrificing it for Shilamim, for a peace offering. In such a circumstance, okay, his intent wasn't great, let's get it better next time. No, 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 that's called it invalidates the sacrifice. You need to bring a new sacrifice and the Kohen needs to pay you for what he did wrong. That's the two that are left off. What's that? He has to admit it, obviously. But in such a circumstance, considered admission to the extent that it's now uh, liable for penalty, excuse me, for payment. And those two, Moser and Mefagil, are what Rabbi Hiyah leaves out. All right, exactly. Baruch